This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to podcast episode 246. This one dedicated to the world of UFC slash mixed martial arts. We are the Fight Disciples and you can get our stuff on iTunes. Just search Fight Disciples. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. At Fight Disciples is our handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Um, and I just want again, we said this on our boxing show, just want to say thank you very much to all the messages that we got over the last week. We attended an awards ceremony last Thursday. We finished second. Not happy. We'll leave it at that. But what I will want to say is a lot of people, obviously, uh, keeping up to date with our uh, social media, they did spot uh, that we had a bottle of Proper 12 on the go. Boom. Um, and this is not in any way, shape or form endorsing it, even though if you are from Proper 12 and would like to sponsor the Fight Disciples, you're more than welcome to do so. Hell yeah. Uh, because we absolutely love your product. This is not just a, a marketing uh, play from uh, the notorious mixed martial artist himself, Conor McGregor. Um, the actual tackle is really, really good. Yeah, Smooth. Smooth. Well, it's like a bourbon, isn't it? I was reading on the bottle because I was into it. I'm not really a big whiskey drinker, but I do like a, a drop of bourbon. I do like a little bit of Jackie D and ice. Um, or what's the other one? Speckled knob or crooked creek, whatever. Speckled knob. There's one knob creek. You need to go and check yourself out. There's one called knob creek. We've been there before, haven't we? Which is nice as well. Yeah, Amsterdam. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But it's because it's kept in these bourbon barrels. Apparently, that's what gives it that smooth bourbony taste. Nice. There you go. But it it was nice. Yeah, was nice. Connor obviously is a fight disciple. Fucking messaging us on social media. Check this out. Right. Check this out. This is brilliant. So we are sat in the uh, first direct arena in Leeds. Big awards ceremony. We're sat there, we're all suited, we're all booted, we're all uh, drinking away, enjoying ourselves, waiting for our, waiting for the ceremony to begin, right? Nick's on his social media, checking away. He's posted on his Instagram uh, a bottle of Proper 12, saying that uh, he's off to an awards ceremony, enjoying himself, and this is the perfect aperitif uh, to get him going for the night. Who responds to that? because you tagged him in it. But who responds to it? <laughs> the one and only Mr. Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Giving you the thumbs up. Have a proper night, gentlemen. All that type of stuff. And Nick, honestly, you should have seen him. He was like Callum and Ogwe sucking him off. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> Little kid, weren't you, son? <laughs> Conor's tweeted me! That <laughs> wasn't actually. It didn't really bother That's me. That's lying! over it. That is lying! Skated over it. Mate, away. you did it then in the ceremony. You did it in the after party of the ceremony. <laughs> and you did it in the morning as well. Not that we had a great night out. You First thing you said to me in the morning was, do you remember when Connor tweeted me last night? <laughs> fucking hell. But, yeah. I'm fucking out on you now then. Go on then. At breakfast when you were like, uh, pass that bottle at proper 12 and you posted a picture on your Instagram. Yes, I did. Holding the bottle up going, I'm going to try and get a retweet off Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so you've exposed yourself now. Yeah, that's it. That's, well, that's how we play. That is how we play. We yeah. manipulate the algorithms of the social media, my that's, friend. That's the plan. Um, but we will condone it. If you... Uh, Sadly, you can't, can't get it. Buy it. You, can't, you can't buy it in the <laughs> no. UK. For everyone that was asking us, Bob Foy, Rob Foy, at Rob Foy, I think it is, on Twitter, one of the fight disciples, was in Ireland the other week mm. and bought us a bottle back as a gift. That was it. That's what that's what true fight disciples do. Yeah. You know, so... So Christmas is coming. Exactly. You I was just going to say, because Bobby, when he, when he dropped the bottle off, Bobby said, listen, son, I went, what do I owe you, Bob? And he said, listen, you don't owe me anything because I've been listening to you since day dot 
best part of three years. I've, you've never charged me a penny, and I've had so much enjoyment from the Fight Disciples. Hey. The least I can do, there's a bottle That's for you, right. Adam. That's right. So, bear note, That's every it. other fucker that listens to us for free every week. So, Fight Disciples, yeah. Liverpool. That's all you've got to put on, the Postman will find us. Yeah. Just put it on there and send it our way. No underwear, please. No underwear. That's, well, you can do if you wish. No. As long as it's not skinny. We're 95% male fucking demographic. I don't Good want point. any skiddy undies. Good point. Just yeah. a bottle of Proper 12 would sort us right out. Yeah. Other um, whiskey brands are available. Other whiskey brands? No, they're not. <laughs> Fuck the Jameson Brothers. <laughs> Connor, please retweet. <laughs> In fact, did you not put that on your post? Fuck the Jameson Brothers? No, but I should have. Oh, mate. I should have. Mm. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is another thing that is piss funny. We uh, we had a speech ready. We- <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, right, goes. I'm doing the speech, and I just I looked at him and said, "Do what you want, mate." Right, and he goes, "Honestly, wait till you hear my speech. If we win this, my speech is amazing." And basically, it was. I hadn't I'm, written anything down. I just no, knew no, what no, I wanted no, no, to no. say. But, but we were pissed. We've been out all day, mm-hmm. and all you wanted to do is go up on stage with a microphone and say, "Listen, I just want to apologise <laughs> to absolutely fucking nobody." <laughs> That's all you wanted to do, isn't it? I did. Yeah, just to, just to, you know, next year. everybody off. There will be a point where you get an opportunity to do that, man. Yeah, I know. There you go. Um, anyway, back to the world of mixed martial arts. Thank you very much for joining us. If you're a new subscriber, we do just, you know, talk nonsense for a period of time, but then we do get into the actual real nitty-gritty stuff. Uh, and for every high that we've had last week, yeah. um, there is always a law. Luke Rockhold is now out of his fight with uh, Chris Weidman. Absolutely gutted about it. Listen. Yeah. They've remade a decent fight with Weidman and Jacare. Excited to see that. But I really wanted to see the rematch between Weidman and yeah. Rockhold. Do you know what killed me more than anything? I was talking to him two weeks ago at the Performance Institute. Because apparently in the Performance Institute, Rockhold was, has been there for weeks. And he just goes from a massage to the nutrition, you know, the ultimate nutrition canteen, back to the physio suite, back to the... <laughs> just fucking... Because the facilities there at the PI, which, by the way, are fucking absolutely outstanding. Mm. All run by a Mancunian as well. Mancunian is the head guy of the fucking PI, him and Forrest Griffin. Best. Crazy. That's it. He used to he used to be at Man City's and they basically the people who built Man City's set up in uh in Manchester. Well done. Um they were <laughs> they went over to Vegas and they fucking basically built the performance institute. Okay. That it's anyway, I digress. Rockhold was there, he was in great form, but he was spending fucking more time on the treatment table than he was actually inside the cage. Well, he's had a bad, he had a bad time with that leg, didn't he? He's been he's struggling. Had, yeah. He's been struggling. I think psychologically he's been struggling as well since Bisping, man. I don't think he's been the same since Bisping chinned him. Mm. I really don't. Uh, but massively disappointed because, you know, Luke Rockhold, he's talking about it. He's a bit of a dick, Luke Rockhold. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that. You know. But I like that. <laughs> I like that. Oh, yeah, I've just been hanging out with him last week. He's a bit of a dick. Yeah, but listen, <laughs> you know, World champion, one of the best fighters on the planet, good-looking motherfucker, plenty of money in the bank. I'd be a dick. I'm not. I'm not using that as what an insult. Mean? I'd be a dick. You are a dick. <laughs> You've just been saying that you're going to go on stage and pretend to be Conor McGregor ten minutes ago, man. <laughs> what I mean is, if I had money, I'd be a bigger dick. Mm. So I'm not. I, I will never ever fucking point the finger at someone for being a dickhead because they're rich, <laughs> handsome, and successful. If because rich, I'd be the exact same if person. If you're rich, handsome, and successful, it's all right to be a dick. Absolutely, hundred percent. Absolutely. I'm glad we're on the same page. Anyway, it's off, uh, which we're good about. Do you think we'll ever see him back in the octagon? I don't know. Because this has been going on for too long. I know he's had a couple of fleets back in, but yeah. it's just... 
Like you are, I think you've nailed it with the Bisping thing. Once Bisping chinned him, he's not been the same dude. No, his because attitude's be, not the same. Because Bisping, he was so late, low down on his radar. In his mind, Bisping had no fucking right whatsoever to be in an octagon with Luke Rockhold. And at the time, many of us agreed. We'd yeah, seen Rockhold they, tear him apart in Sydney, and we were like, Bisping's coming at late notice. Oh god, it's going to be a procession. And I think psychologically for Rockhold, that knockout, I don't think he'll ever be the same again. Mm. And you know what? Look at what the knockout to Dan Henderson did to Bisping. Mm. That was way worse. That was a fucking career definer. Jesus Christ, that's still Dan Henderson's logo. Mm. Is him sparking out Bisping. Yet psychologically, Bisping was able to rebuild himself and go on and become a champion of the world. Mm. Whereas Rockhold, as champion of the world, got knocked out. Just doesn't seem to be the same fighter. Where's Weidman at at this moment in time? Because uh, we saw him against Joel Romero, and that was a horrible knockout in yeah. itself. That knee to the head, which yeah. split his bloody brain. That was into. his mistake. He was winning the fight until that fucking yeah. made the mistake. Where's he at this moment in time? Now, obviously, he's, he's got in his head. I'm fighting Rockhold. I do Rockhold, and then yeah. I'm back in that mix. I'm going to be chomping down the bit to get all the Bobby Knuckles right. Yeah, Jackeray's still a contender, but Jackeray's just been taken care of by Bobby Knuckles. Is he on a bit of a lose-lose situation going into this fight or not? But again. Jack Ray was in Vegas as well. Mm. He was at the Performance Institute the same mm. fucking week. He was training. He was doing some uh, grappling thing. Completely different type of fighter. But, yeah, you know, it's, it, they're the same kind of merry-go-round of middleweights, aren't they? Circling now below Bobby Knuckles and, and um, Kelvin Gastelum. These older, this, this older generation. Like The thing with Weidman is, and this happened the night he beat Anderson Silva. The night he beat Anderson Silva the first time, everyone went backstage, had a big press conference, and I was chatting to Don John Danaher, who people who in grappling circles know John Danaher is a fucking absolute jujitsu god, and he's got his own team, the fucking the Death Squad. Um, anyway, regardless, he was part of Weidman's grappling team, and on that night, Danaher said to me, "We haven't just made a middleweight champion; we've made the Anderson Silva defeating machine. That's what we've made because Anderson Silva dominated for so long." And that was what Chris Weidman was and still is. Do you know what I mean? It was like, he's the perfect guy to beat, Chris, uh, to beat Anderson Silva, but he wasn't the perfect guy to become middleweight champion for the next 10 years. Mm. He, he made him to do that. And I think Weidman will always be stuck in that kind of fold. He's got the perfect style to beat Anderson Silva. That was his moment. That was his legacy. But he can't now improve in other areas to be able to beat people who have progressed with the sport, kind of, you know, don't get me wrong, Anderson Silva was a fucking absolute pioneer, but Anderson Silva's, his style was his style, and he was made to beat that style, but he can't beat Bobby Knuckles, he can't, you know what I mean, he can't beat the next kind of guys, I just think Weidman, his his moments in the sport, I feel like he's done, and I don't, see him coming back and bouncing back and becoming champion anytime soon. It's a shame because I yeah, like man. him and he's, he's re- and he's really well supported as well. Absolutely. They absolutely love so him, he should they? be, man. Mm. Top family, man. Mm. And he's got something about him, Weidman, too. Mm. I think for me, though, it, on paper, it looked like I would say Rockhold had the most chance ability-wise to bounce back and to become middleweight champion again. But psychologically, he's just a mess. Mm. He's a mess. Mm. Um, other little bits of news that I've been just keeping up to date with this week. Obviously, all the Conor Khabib stuff still going on yeah. and everybody now chucks the hat in the ring i.e. Georges St-Pierre I saw that as, uh, he's been saying there's only one fight for me now in the UFC and that would be to obviously come back down and fight Khabib Nemamagedov what do you reckon? I think it's a fucking wicked shout and I think GSP it's hard to see anyone beat Khabib right now obviously because Khabib's on an absolute turn his confidence has gone through the roof I seen some social media yesterday and he's still touring around Russia meeting fucking people kissing babies and all mm. that amazing for him the thing is his strength is George's strength as well do you know what I mean George is a 
incredible takedown machine, best double leg I've ever seen, wicked grappler. And he knows how to negate his way through. I think it's a fucking wicked fight. I think it's a wicked fight. Is the UFC going to make it? No. No. I think they're upset still that George is kind of dipping his toe back in whenever yeah. he feels like it. I think Dana wants to try and pull rank a little bit. The, yeah. From from listening to interviews that Dana's been doing, he's like saying, I don't care that it's George St. Pierre. He doesn't get to pull rank and say, right, I'm coming back in and I'm going straight into a world title fight. Especially yeah. when there's Tony Ferguson. Absolutely. And for me, Tony Ferguson-Khabib is the fight to make next. Yeah, I think so. And I think what the UFC should do, I think Dana's come out and said this, is go, okay, Poirier's out. Fight Nate Diaz. GSP should fight Nate Diaz. The family rivalry's there. It's a massive seller. It's a massive fight. Fight Nate Diaz, and the winner then can fight the winner of Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. Or, this is, the, is this the moment we've been waiting for? Is this the Connor moment where you go, okay, George, fight Connor? You fight Connor. We'll do it at catchweight, maybe 160. So it's a nice bit easier for you, this progression down. You do a number on Connor, you fight the winner of Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. It's still the biggest fight in MMA for me. The biggest fight in the sport right now is GSP versus Connor, regardless of the fact that Connor's just lost to Khabib. Because Connor remains the biggest star in fights. Of course sports. he does. I mean, look at him at the weekend. He was in Boston at the weekend exactly. watching Katie Taylor and James Tennyson, a couple of Irish kids. fuck all to his, to his profile. It's amazing, isn't it? Don't fuck all. He's turned up at Dallas Cowboys last I week. Know. And they're, wank, they're creaming all over him. 80,000 fans inside Dallas Cowboys Stadium creaming over him. Guys scoring touchdowns and Billy walking around because Connor's there. He's a fucking superstar. And do you know what? That's the good thing You've about got- MMA that we don't really see in boxing as much and hopefully it'll the trend will pass over but I think mixed martial arts fans people are they're core you know we're, we're blessed most people that listen to our show and there's been loads of fans that go, I don't really like boxing but since I listened to you guys started watching UFC started watching MMA boss great mate come it's for everybody We can you can watch both that's the good thing now it's getting bigger and bigger and more popular to go yeah I like boxing and I like UFC because I like a fight great <laughs> but I think people whose core is MMA their core, core viewership they've maybe they've come to boxing because they love MMA first and foremost they're yeah. UFC fans they're more used to guys losing and going well he's still my fucking favourite fighter Yeah. so what he's lost he's my favourite fighter and next time he'll win Next time, I think MMA fans at their core will never ever throw Connor away because Connor's a fucking superstar. And in this sport, anyone can lose and anyone can win. Yeah, he got fucked by Khabib. He was out for two years. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe it wasn't. Will we get a rematch? Probably will one day. Let's see where the journey takes us next. If Connor McGregor was in boxing, forget about the fact he was in boxing. I mean, if Connor McGregor was this superstar boxer, champion, been out for a couple of years, came back to fight undefeated champion, you know, kind of thing. Floyd. If yeah. he was Floyd. Let, let's say, he, yeah, exactly. Let's say he comes back and, you know, similar dynamic. After that defeat to Khabib, boxing fans will be going, yeah, he's got to retire. He's finished. He's finished. Yeah, he's finished now. He's finished. Finished. Fuck okay. it. But MMA fighters, no one's saying Connor should retire. Mm. No MMA fan has even uttered the words Connor should retire. They've all no. gone, yeah, man, he lost to a better man that day. Who should Connor fight next then? Oh, he should fight Nate Diaz because it'll be a stand-up war. Fuck it. He doesn't need a grappler. Let's, let's make this fight because it'll be fucking awesome. That's the beauty of mixed martial arts, the beauty of that. And hopefully one day in boxing we'll see that as well. A loss doesn't mean fucking the end of the world. As we talked about this week with Tevin Farmer, a couple of losses on his record. Yeah, he's a world champion. Dressed like a cunt, but fucking boxing unbelievably. Did you see the, um, that bit on social media where the fan... I know that, that obviously everything that happened at UFC 229 where obviously Khabib's team jumped in and had a yep. bit of a scrap with Connor. Oh, the Irish lad. Did you see the Irish lad? Isn't he a, didn't he say he was a doctor or something? He was out there just watching. I don't know. He's a tall lad with glasses on. Yeah, he looked I, like the dude out of the hangover. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, no. Zinga. I, yeah, the guy, the dentist guy who, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, who, who married the stripper. That Absolutely. One, we've right? all been there. Yeah, Vegas. of course we have. Of course we have, yeah. Um, 
But that guy hmm. got in the octagon and his pure sole aim was just to check on Connor and make sure that he's all right. That's why I was like, is, is he a doctor? Is he bullshit? I'm a doctor. I'll check he's all right. But he was just a fan, I think. Yeah. Just a fan. Just well, some... I saw the social media and I think uh, Cormier's told something yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on Fox. I think Cormier was like going, don't just point the finger at, you know, the whole thing was a shit show. It wasn't just Team Namageddon, I'll fuck this up. Yes, they instigated it. But other people fucked up as well. How the fuck does a punter get inside the octagon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone dropped the ball. The security team, the UFC security, everyone dropped the ball in royal fashion at the worst possible time. I think that's what could be DC was trying to get at. Don't yeah. just come at us. You guys fucked up. Yeah, but I like the attitude of when one of us goes to war, we all go to war. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Irish yeah, yeah. like getting in the octagon. Yeah, so, no. Right, I'm ready for you, son. Whenever exactly, you're ready, yeah. we'll yeah. have a little bit of a do. Yeah, mate. Here's a wet paper bag. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eddie Alvarez, by the way, won championship. We, we alluded to it on last week's show, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I think he confirmed it on Tuesday or Wednesday on his own social media. That's massive for one championship. It's huge for one championship. And you know what? It made me laugh that I'd seen someone on Twitter go, oh, bye-bye, Eddie. Off to MMA wilderness where no one will ever hear or see of you again. And listen, my old assistant, Michael Owens, he is a PR at one championship. Let me tell you now, they've got fucking Brewsters. They're sponsored by Disney, Marvel, fucking you name it, Coca-Cola. 25 million people watched one of their recent events. <laughs> so to say, goodbye to the MMA yeah. wilderness. Yeah. Isn't quite accurate, no. to be honest with you. I think Most of Asia right. fucking love one championship. I think Eddie's going to do massive right, numbers. Yeah. Eddie's going to get fucking paid. You better believe he'll get paid. And you know what? He'll probably become one championship lightweight champion and make a shitload of defences against Thai guys we've probably never heard of. But who cares? He's fucking into stripes. Well, again, we, we spoke on our boxing show, which is available on iTunes and our website, about how DAZN, the TV platform, is changing the way that we consume uh, fight sports. And yeah. we're going to experience that, obviously, here in the UK. We 11, uh 11 sports as well, which is coming in in January. Yeah. Um, but what does this then do for other fighters' attitudes within the UFC, who are not getting paid? These lads that, you know, they want the big money. People like Demetrius Johnson, who were banging on the on the door, saying, listen, I'm the fucking best geezer that's ever been in this uh, in this division. You're not paying me what I should be what I should be getting paid. Will they now be looking at alternatives yeah. like one championship and thinking, well, fuck it, I'll go over to Asia and fight over there? Absolutely. And you know what? That's the perfect example as well, because the core demographic of fighters over in, one championship or welterweight and below. Mm. They don't They don't really have a weight division above welterweight because they're purely down to fucking genetics in, in the Asian nations. So flyweights, strawweights, atom weights, all those weights that we don't even see in the UFC, they have all them in Asia. So that's a fucking great shout. Demetrius Johnson probably go over there and make a fortune. Demetrius Johnson's coach, he's actually an advisor for 1FC as well. So I'm surprised he hasn't gone already. Obviously for DJ... He was undefeated. He was the universal UFC flyweight champion. Never lost the fight until he ran into Sajudo the second time. But that wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me at all if DJ, because again, his UFC legacy is assured. He was the first and the longest reigning UFC flyweight champion. And move over to one FC might make sense. Mm. Yeah, man. Listen, I dream of a day where <laughs> this is going to sound fucked. MMA is a bit more like boxing. I've just gone. MM, I've just gone. Boxing should learn from MMA. Now I'm going to go. MMA should learn from boxing. Let's all meet in the middle, yeah. Man, imagine if guys could go. Yeah, I fucking. Bit, I'm UFC champion. There's a fight over there in one FC. I'm going to go and fight in one FC. Now I'm going to fight fight in Bellator for more money. Then I'm going to go and fight back in the UFC and defend my belt again because I've just fucked them in Asia. Blah blah blah. I, that would be 
the dream scenario for mixed martial artists because then they can go where the money goes. They can earn the most money possible. Yeah. Fight on multiple platforms. They have leverage. That would be the, that would be the key way to yeah, go. Yeah. At the moment, of course, UFC remains the fucking pinnacle of the sport. And if you're the UFC champion, you're universally recognised as the number one. But it's <clears throat> it's growing now. Mm. There's an argument for Gegard Mousasi being the best middleweight on the planet. There's an argument for fucking Ben Askren when he was in one FC as the best welterweight in the planet. Where is Aaron Pico at? You know what I mean? Exactly, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is Aaron Pico fucking potential? Is he the biggest prospect on the planet? Or is it because he's in Bellator, like MVP, mm-hmm. getting handpicked fights? Mm-hmm. How good are these guys? Will we ever know? Hopefully in 10, 20 years we will know. And listen, that's I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for the UFC either. Because there's a reason why Canelo Alvarez only fights with Golden Boy. Because Golden Boy give him the most money and give him the biggest paychecks. There's a reason why Anthony Joshua hasn't fucked Eddie Ayn off. Because Eddie Ayn's getting him the most money on Matchroom and on Sky Sports. So guys will still be loyal to the UFC brand. But you know maybe the top guys who don't earn that money go, you know what, UFC... Yeah, yeah, you've got a fight coming up. Uh, Bellator are going to give me more money to fight over here. So I'll go and fight over there then. And if you win in Bellator, then we'll offer you to fight back over here for more money. Mm. If you lose over there, we probably won't offer you to fight. I don't see how it's a negative thing. thing. Mm. The game's changing. No, the game's changing. It is changing. As we were speaking about TV platforms and obviously the attitudes from fighters now not necessarily classing the UFC as the be-all and end-all. Eddie Alvarez could be a bit of a trailblazer there, clearing off to uh, one championship for a boatload of cash and uh, maybe a couple of belts as well. Good on him. and a, a championship that really caught our eye at the weekend was Cage Warriors. Damn. The main event, if you have not seen this. Now, listen, again, we said this on our boxing show. It's very difficult if you try to consume everything. If you're a boxing and mixed martial arts fan, it's very it's very tough. When you have weekends like that at the weekend, it's tough to consume everything, especially when they're all happening at different time, the differences all over the world. You've got to get some sleep at some and point. Multiple channels, streaming services, you name it. You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to miss some of it. You're going to miss some of it, right? Cage Warriors happened at the weekend, and it might have gone under your radar because there was a lot of boxing going on. But yeah. if you're a mixed martial arts fan, I've no doubt you were all Or a fight fan, mate. If you're yeah. a fight fan and you missed it, Mark, listen. Main event. Go for, go to BT Sport, find it on your planet, go to Cage Warriors. I'm sure there's information on their social media. Find Ross Houston versus Stefano Paterno for the title fight, the main title fight at the top of the card, Cage Warriors 98 from Birmingham at the weekend. You will not be disappointed. There's a shot, right? I think Fuck I put it. Me. I think I put it on our social media. There's a little gift that I made of um, Paterno catching uh, Houston. I think it's in the fourth round or something random yeah. like that, right? And Houston's sailing by this point. Yeah, he's he's, he's clocked the rounds up, but he's, he's but he, flying. He's caught him right on the whiskers, oh. and his body stays still. Yeah, but his legs are like, do you know, like on cartoons when like they're just about to set off on a run and the legs go like go a million miles <laughs> an hour, and then the body sets off. Well, I, that's I was exactly what it was like. His legs were doing a Fred Flintstone. His legs were going all over the gaff. Well, I, I was, I was like, it's like it reminded me of Michael Flatley, like a river dance. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. His yeah. upper body, his arms, still. and his head were perfectly still, but his legs were doing the Charleston <laughs> underneath him. His fucking legs were going everywhere. Unreal, oh, mate. Unreal. Fantastic fight. Absolutely brilliant fight. Yeah, you know what? I think Houston. Weathered an early storm, then come on, dominated, used his range, had them big boulder shoulders. It was brilliant. And then Paterno, just when you think he's 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 getting disheartened, lands that massive shot. Yeah. Almost finishes the fight. You know, the re- saved by the bell eventually. Come out for the fit, mate. It was it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I wasn't surprised afterwards that Graham Boylan come out the U- the Cage Warriors president was like one of the best title fights we've ever had because it was fucking cracker. Mm. Definitely a bit of a contender for fight of the year. Certainly domestically a contender for fight of the year. So 
got to go back and watch it. No, it was absolutely, absolutely tremendous. And in fact, just going down the card as well, this is this is the yep. thing. We, we we maybe paid it a little bit of a disservice last week. We we well we left down to it to uh, to pick it up for you uh, on the on the Thursday program. So therefore, I kind of just didn't really pay too much attention to the build up to to the Cage Warriors show. But then when you watch it back, every single time I watch a Cage Warriors show back. I'm impressed with it yeah. because they seem so evenly matched. There's a lot of fighters on yep. there that I'm not necessarily too clued up on. I know some of the the larger camps names. And stuff. Yeah, and some of the camps and what have you. But there's some lads. For example, there's lads coming in from Italy and various other, these other places that I'm thinking, I don't know too much about you. Let's see what yep. you're all about. But every fight just seems so evenly matched. And if you're, if you're buying a ticket to go and watch Mixed Martial Arts, you go and watch Cage Warriors in this country at this moment in time because you're guaranteed a show. Absolutely. And you know what? That's down to, obviously, Graham Boylan's got this uncanny of fucking ability to spot talent. Hence the reason why, you know, um, it was Liverpool a couple of, you know, eight, 12 months ago, whatever it was, Paddy the Baddy, Chris Fishgold, Molly McCann, um, you know, um, Lee Chadwick. You know, he was on it. He, he, knew, he knew that Liverpool was the hotspot. And he, and he rinsed Liverpool for like 18 months. And listen, it's still a bit of a hotspot right now. Don't get me wrong, but a couple of those people have moved on to UFC, whatever yeah. else. It feels like Birmingham now is the hotspot. Like he's found Birmingham, and he puts a show on like that. Loads of Birmingham fighters on it. Great crowd, really vocal. It sounded amazing, and you know it's like fuck me. Now he's tapped in. I bet you they go back to Birmingham again, if not before the end of the year, right at the start of January, mm. just because bang, it's hot, it's hot, and Boylan's got this ability to do that. And then coupled with the fact that Ian Dean as matchmaker is absolutely fucking brilliant at his job. Then that's why you end up getting cards like this: mm. Scandinavians, Italians, fucking Frenchmen, you name it. Ian Dean's got this amazing fucking ability to spot talents across Europe. Well, that's the thing that, 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 that they have. And we find this in boxing a little bit, that you you try your very best to stack undercards with local talent in order to create atmosphere within within yeah. the arenas. And, and, and that works. Of course that works yeah, yeah. because you have local followings. But the main event's an Italian against a Scot, right? So there's no local interest there. No. But because it was so well matched, fucking hell, man. You can't help but fall in love with it, with what you're seeing. And therefore, it automatically gets you off your seat. It's irrelevant where people are from in the end of the day. Yeah. If the matchmaking's bang on, I can go to a boxing event or a mixed martial arts event, not know who's fighting, and just be entertained by what I'm seeing in the ring or the octagon. And the only reason that that happens is when it's legit. Good matchmaking. Yeah, exactly. If someone's just bullying someone, yeah. i.e. we spoke about in our boxing Brentwood. show at Brentwood, we saw Anthony our bully a, a, a fat Argentinian, as you put him, that, you turn off, you think, oh, fuck off, right? Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. But then you see the fight underneath that in the in the British, British title, title fight between uh, Corcoran and uh, Garton, and you think you see them going at it, you think, fucking hell, I've yeah. no real interest in either of you two, but this is absolutely amazing. Of course. And you've seen a lot of that in the in the Cage Warriors, and you definitely saw it in Birmingham the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was helped by the fact that they had the, the featherweight tournament as the co-main yes. event, so they had two yes, meaningful yes, yes. fights in the co-main event. And the beauty of it is, if you're there as a fan, you watch Dean Truman beats Lewis Monarch, and then Aidan Lee de- beats Paul McBain yeah. in the two co-mains which are the tournaments so now you know next time Aiden Lee's fighting Dean Truman mm. so you bought into the next event now oh when is that final yeah, I've yeah. seen both of them fight live in Birmingham fucking can't wait to watch that final mm. so listen they get it they've got, they've got the formula Just, they know what they're doing they, they listen they hold their hands up Cage Warriors and go listen we're the, be- we're the best promotion in Europe and we're the feeder league to the UFC that's who we are mm. lovers all lovers and I think that's what that's why they're able to generate such good fighters put on good shows yeah, there was another cracker on uh, on one of those semi-finals. I think it was the Eddie Lee one where he was uh, he were on his back like a rucksack, yeah. choking him out, stood up. And I, as soon as that as soon as that happens, I don't know about you, but whenever I see someone get a grip on like that, and it's it's quite obvious that it's going to yeah. be a deep choke, I instantly look at the clock, and then I play this sick game of going. 
can he last 20 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has he got the ability to last? Has, has he got the ability to, re- to breathe through his ears? But he tapped with, I think, about 18 to go, didn't he, in the, yeah. in the, in the first round. And I'm watching it going, ah, you pussy, you could have done 18 seconds. Someone needs to shout at him, 18, hold on for 18! Yeah, exactly. And, and I've known of that Aidan Lee because he trains with Tom Brees. He's one of Tom Brees' lads. Um, but I'd never heard him talk before Saturday night. And... Um, after he got that submission and then he was talking and he's got like a lisp like Mike Tyson. He's got a proper Tyson lisp. I was like, wait, you'll do for me. Yeah. You'll do for me. Good final that'll be as well against Truman. It'll be great final. Dan's show obviously is coming later in the week. Dan, of course, was ringside. Dan, of course, will have probably a bit more to shout about at this event. But um, Dan's prodigy, Adam Amersinger, got beat on the undercard yeah, as well. That. Surprising. Um, Scott Malone took him out with a, a TKO. I haven't actually seen the fight yet. I've only seen the main card from the weekend, but I'm going to try and catch up with that. But obviously, I'm sure Dan will talk more about it on Thursday. Uh, make sure you subscribe via iTunes and via our website. Um, for Dan's show, Dan Hardy's show, that is. Full Reptile Radio coming your way on Thursday morning. Now, this week in the world of uh, the UFC, well, it starts a run of UFC shows now. Every we- weekend <laughs> till Christmas. UFC Uncle Fight Dana, Night. thank you. UFC Fight Night 138 uh, this weekend. Uh, we are heading to Canada. I'm going to say the main event, right? Mm-hmm. Check this out. So the main event between Volkan and uh, Monsieur Smith. Mm-hmm. Volkan's got a 15-second knockout on his uh, record. Yeah. Smith's got a 22-second knockout on his record. What do you reckon? This is going within the first distance. minute? <laughs> this is going the distance. It's going judges. To, yeah, it's going to the judges' scorecards. I doubt that very much, mate. This one's going to the judges, absolutely. Do you know why? Because they've used them fucking them stats as they? to sell on the, post, the poster. The poster's got that in big, large letters. 15, 22. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's it. Get ready, judges get the cards uh, out hopefully it won't be obviously these two guys hit like freight trains Anthony Smith the ultimate poster boy for moving up a weight division rather than killing yourself to your natural weight division so yeah. <clears throat> again not to hark on about it when we were at the PI we were talking have to... you been to the PI yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> when did you go there I was talking to the, the guy who runs the shop and um, they've got a is dec- he from Manchester he's from Manchester yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they've got a Dexter scan yeah. In there. Now, is that next to the nutrition bit or the gym where's that next to That's uh, it's in the recovery suite oh is it mm-hmm. hmm. Is this so, when you went to the PI? Yeah, just fucking let me explain. <laughs> so let, a Dexter scan. Nick's been to the PI. Yeah, exactly. A Dexter scan is like a, a machine that you lie on. It's got like a, a scanner. It's not like an MRI thing. It's a, a bit smaller. But anyway, the reason I was interested, because as you know, my family run the biggest fighter medical clinic in the UK, fit2fightuk.com. Um, they, uh, and, and we, you can't the, use our podcast to promote your own businesses. It's not my business, my mum's. And so it's all right. So it makes it all right. So the, a Dexter scan machine, yeah, is basically a machine that you you lay on and it scans your body and it tells you your bone density, your fat density, your muscle density, your fluid, everything else, everything about your body. And then scientists, well, lab coats can take that information and go, right, okay, safely. Yeah. Looking at rehydration, dehydration, blah, blah, blah. Your best weight division is this. Yeah. And I'd said to him, I said, listen, these machines are wicked. These are used in college wrestling in America to save lives. Why are these not used in MMA and in boxing? At the start of every year, when they have the fight and medical, we say you have your blood, your urine, your medical, your brain scan, all that stuff. Why don't they get a Dexter scan? And the science then says this guy's minimum weight division is middleweight or welterweight, whatever it may be. Yeah. And he and obviously he was talking about it and he said, We're using it for that now. we but we can only advise because basically if you're signed to the UFC, you're a contractor, UFC can't dictate what weight division you're in. You are a contractor that goes, I'd like to, I've, I can do welterweight. I'll take a fight at welterweight. And UFC go, okay, you're a contractor. You, you run your own business. You are your own business. That's fine. He said, but what we can do is we can advise people. And he said, Anthony Smith came in here 
and he was in here for a couple of weeks on a session. We got him on Dexter Scan, and we used the Dexter Scan as our main argument with him to say, move up to light heavyweight, because scientifically, you are not at your optimum getting down to middleweight. You're taking something away. You're getting rid of muscle. You're getting rid of fluid. Your bone density is this, that, that, that. Never mind size. Never mind anything else. You are harming yourself getting down to middleweight. Go to light heavyweight. You'll see the best of it. And my goodness, have we seen the best of it up up at light heavyweight? Absolutely unreal. And, you know, a lot of fighters need to look at that. Look at Rumble Johnson when he moved up from welterweight. He became an absolute fucking beast. Sometimes it's not about making minimum weight. It's about being at your optimum weight. And that's the difference. And Anthony Smith, his optimum weight clearly is light heavyweight. Him versus uh, Volkan, who's the mayor this weekend. It's going to be an absolute smoke show and kick off a wonderful run of events all right up till Christmas. It's actually quite, even though Smith is on a, a great tear at this moment in time, Volkan was on a tear and then ran into uh, DC, yeah? Yeah. So therefore, it's, I, I still find it quite difficult to call this fight. A lot of people will automatically go, well, Smith's on the tear, we're going to go with Smith. That's what that's where we're going to go at. Yeah. But Volkan's dangerous as fuck. We saw what he did against Jimmy. This is purely for me who lands on the whiskers first. It is. And do you know the problem with landing on Volkan? He's got a fucking P-head. And that's a scientific thing now. His head... <laughs> Did is, you get this at the PI as well? I didn't get this at the PI. This is just my own my own um, <laughs> observations. His head is so small on his on his neck, on his shoulders, that it's really hard to hit. He hasn't got a big head. So Anthony Smith's got a bit of a bowling ball head. He's got a big head. You can think, okay, there's a, there's a bigger target there. Volkan's got like... He's like a light heavyweight body with a lightweight head. Honestly, when you watch it the weekend, you'll go, fucking hell, Nick's right, his head is so small. Never seen a head that small you know when you were heavyweight before. Do you know when you were in Vegas and, and Dan Hardy took you up to the mountains and you enjoyed yourself on some of the uh, the herbal remedies out there? Is that when you came up with this conclusion? Volcan's <laughs> <laughs> got, got a small head. I'm telling you, Vol- if you've got a small head, it's harder than hit. That's just science. Right. That is just science, Adam. You can't debate that. Right. He's got a small head. It's hard to hit. I think Volkan. Can you imagine this clown being in your corner? <laughs> the, the technicalities. Of Not a fight. problem tonight. He's got a fat head. <laughs> Sam Allardyce wouldn't last a round with me. You know what I mean? Look at that. It's a massive target. Just keep whacking that big exactly. thing. Can't miss it. Go to the body. His head's too small. <laughs> Great advice for Anthony Smith this weekend. Great advice. Go to the body. There you go. So if Smith wins, it'll be from a body shot. But if Volkan wins, he'll have smoked them on the whiskers. You wait and see. <laughs> uh, also on this card. Uh, Artem Lobov, who's been in the press quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, he yeah. stays on the card. He's on it, and he's taking on um, a mate of a mate of ours, yeah. Michael Johnson. Um, he stepped in last minute uh, because Zubira was pulled from this particular uh, card. That's still ongoing. Uh, one of the gentlemen that entered the octagon at UFC 229. Um, so the UFC have got uh, a little bit of business to take care of with him. Are you surprised that uh, Artem is still on this card? Um. I'm surprised Artem's still on this card because I'd like to know how the fuck Artem makes co-main event mm. for anything. He's Connor's mate. When he's won two of his last six or whatever it is. Yeah, but he's Connor's mate. I know, but how does he make co-main event? Like, how the fuck does Artem make co-main... I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying it out loud because I'm trying to work it out. How does someone with his record in the UFC and his ability, with all due respect to Artem, make co-main event for anything? Mm-mm proper there you go nice touch um he was recently in liverpool was mr johnson wasn't he yeah he was with with danny roberts we missed him yeah he was here doing some seminars training with dan and uh, it was the same day 
it was the same day I went and made love to Lomachenko, that's unfortunately, it. so you, I missed you, them. So that's what happened. So for all the MMA fans that wanted the menace on the show, uh, you didn't get him because uh, I took you to go and see Lomachenko. Nick had a, cho- a choice to make. So you dropped him, didn't you? I, I, listen, I, I love Michael Johnson. He's a, he's an absolute diamond. and um, But you don't love him too much, do you? But he's no, he's no vassal of Lomachenko, is he? Mm. Sorry. Um, Last-minute replacement. I said last-minute replacement. A, uh, a 10-day replacement. He, um, I, fa- I actually fancy Johnson for this fight. You know? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Even at short, short notice? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. No problem at all. <laughs> I, be, I Honestly, I think Michael Johnson's just got way too much for Artem Lobov. Artem's tough as fuck, don't get me wrong. Excuse me. He's You know, he's built a career on being Connor's sparring partner, so of course he's tough. But I think Michael Johnson lights him up. Mm. Absolutely lights him up. What else takes your fancy on the card? Uh, I like that Misha Serkinov, Patrick Cummins fight at light heavyweight as well. I think that's a, a cracking fight. Uh, Jean Valanti, Ed Heyman, again, another light heavyweight. Three light heavyweight fights on the main event. All good. Garcia versus Court McGee kicks off the well- card in the welterweight Stevie, division. Is Stevie Ray Decent. Stevie Ray's the curtain jerker. Is he? Stevie Ray's fighting uh, Jess and Ayari. Yeah, I saw some on the And that's media. a fucking cracking fight as well. Mm. An absolute belter to get the card going, so... He's uh, Stevie Ray, and obviously my own mate, Chris Fishgold, makes his UFC debut. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. So Fishy, as we all know, been cage warriors lightweight champion forever until he gave the belt up when he signed with the UFC. That feels like about a year ago now. Mm. He's been inactive for so long, just waiting for his date. I know he had to sort his visa out and he had injury problems, but finally, touch wood, fucking nothing happens this week. Chris Fishgold makes his UFC debut down a featherweight. So the reason he didn't fight a featherweight was because Paddy was the featherweight yeah, champion. I'm so he just stayed as lightweight champion and ripped everybody apart. So Fishy's a wicked talent and he is 100% ready for the UFC. There's none of this, Mike's have come early, any of that kind of stuff, you know, opportunity knocks, take it when it is there. Fishy's waited, guided his time, fuckers ready for the mm. UFC. However, Calvin Katari, who he's matched with, is a tough motherfucker. And this is a wicked fight. This guy's obviously a, a strong grappler as well as Fishy. So I think he's only lost one in his last 10 atar. So um, it's an absolute belter of a fight. But you know what? This is what Chris Fishgold probably needs. You know, it's like you've been active for a long time. This is the proper fight. It's in the UFC. Mm. No, but there is no easy fights in the UFC, let's be honest. Unless your name is fucking CM Punk. And he's an end. You get beat. So... Sorry, unless you're fighting CM Punk, then you've, there's no easy fights in the UFC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, should be a cracker this yeah. weekend. Kind of the destination. And if you want some more mixed martial arts chat and maybe a little bit of what tattoo should I get or maybe uh, erase, uh, tune into the Dan Hardy Show, Full yep. Reptile Radio, which is coming your way on Thursday. Actually, I want to mention that because I was listening to the show and Dan and Owen were talking about the worst UFC ink and they were taking the piss out of Robbie Lawler. They were taking the piss out of many guys, but they never mentioned... Brian Stan's tattoo. Now, Brian Stan, if listen, Google it now. Brian Stan has got a tattoo on his left shoulder, and it's like a tribal pattern. Yeah. But I swear to God, go and check it now. It says pasta. It says pasta. No, it doesn't. I swear. I fucking. I'll pull it up. It says pasta. Okay. Go and check it out. Uh, you can subscribe to this nonsense. He's gone to go on Google. Um, Brian this, Stan. This, uh, this tattoo. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us via iTunes. Just search Fight Disciples. Fightdisciples.com for all Android feeds. And you can also get us on social media at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's another uh, program coming your way tomorrow from Radio City Talk Show, which is all on the Merseyside boxing and mixed martial arts scene. And, of course, Full Reptile Radio will be coming your way 
uh, on Thursday. Of which, Dan, by the way... Does that or does not not say pasta? It does look like it's pasta, <laughs> Uh, of which Dan has uh, caught up with Mark Goddard, who uh, very kindly uh, sent us a couple of messages last week to let everybody know that they've done a bit of a show oh, together. Oh, yeah, that's Dan's show this week, isn't should, it? Oh, should be fuck a yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Should be a cracking show. Uh, so we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.